1: Exploit Obama's legacy? What is Obama's legacy, anyway? The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. Here with what I think are uh, a unique take. I know it's a unique take on the things that I think are the stories of the week. A lot of times, for me, the story of the week is not the story that's in the cable cycle 24-7, but sometimes uh, it is. Sometimes it's what my mom always says. Oh, it's just a slow news week. So is it a slow news week that Joe Biden throwing his hat in the ring is are on the cable cycle 24-7? I don't know. And I could go for the low-hanging fruit, all the hilarious Joe Biden gaffes over the years. Even his attempt to get out of that stuff this week by offering the worst apology I've ever heard or in line with it any time an apology starts with i'm sorry you feel this way it's that is not an apology you should be sorry for what you did and maybe he is maybe he isn't but i just feel like the gaffes are going to continue so i would love it if he got the nomination i think that would be Really hilarious. And maybe that's why he's in there, because I never seriously thought that he would think he could win the Democratic nomination in the Me Too era. I just don't think an old white guy is what they're after for their image. And I think that they can cultivate their image uh, more to their liking, further lurch to the left, all about identity and all that stuff, if they get another term of Trump. There is nothing like... Uh, nothing for generating reactions, for galvanizing your side than a really uh, provocative enemy. So I, I, I think there are a lot of kind of peel-the-onion approaches to why Joe Biden might be running and what it might look like, anywhere from just fighting a good fight and the Democratic nomination so that some socialist a person of intersectionality, can vanquish him, maybe Stacey Abrams, or maybe it's really to let Trump win again, or maybe it's just so that he can fundraise to his little group and then throw it to whoever wins the nomination. There are a lot of possibilities. Politics are like that. But one thing, one little meme that kept popping up that I – I found interesting was this idea that Biden is trying to the the way he qualifies as being intersectional, which is like you can check more than one box, which seems to be uh, to me like that doesn't really have political content. It does on the left, but it goes back to this book I've read, uh, quoted. I've not read it a thousand times. It's hard to get through, but uh, quoted a thousand times this ideology of tyranny where, in order to get your eye off the ball of the of the concerted effort to concentrate power at the top at the expense of your rights, liberties, and protections, that you are distracted by these petty infighting, this um, identity politics, this left-right thing, this red-blue thing, that when you really look at an expanding debt load or... Uh, a foreign policy of, um, you know, of, of I'm not going to call it imperialism, but it's a foreign policy that serves kind of globalist foreign interests. This stuff continues apace, no matter what the different parties will tell you their party stands for, no matter who's in any of the branches, those things, the welfare warfare super state grows and grows and grows. So I don't think it's uh, about, So I think this identity stuff is a way to get us distracted from those real issues. But the way Biden accesses the intersectionality hot button is by having been in the White House with Obama, who was the first black president and therefore is this this hero. Uh, And the next kind of big hero would be a female of color or uh, a person of alternative sexual orientation hopefully of color so like that's how you just kind of up the ante there and he doesn't really qualify in any of those categories but he wants to exploit obama's legacy in that regard but but that's but i don't know if i would even call that a legacy i mean that makes obama someone who broke through a glass ceiling um but is it is it his legacy? Now, if that... Now, now, race might be an element of his legacy. I got a tweet... Um, I got a tweet when I asked, like, what is Obama's legacy? And uh, AJ said it's that he worsened race relations. It's that the media accused every Obama critic of being a racist, and now the media accuses Trump and every Trump supporter of being a white nationalist. That actually... Goes to how Biden, uh, how he launched his campaign this week was with uh, he contributed, a uh, used a big part of his announcement video talking about what happened in Charlottesville as a defining moment in our modern history and all this kind of stuff. So he's playing that card. He's definitely trying to exploit it. But I would say Obama didn't make things better as we had all hoped. I mean, really, truly, sincerely uh, hoped that he would help us heal old wounds of racial divide. But he instead uh, definitely made them worse, I feel like. And Eric Holder was a big part of that. Uh, And it's just cynical Politics, in my opinion, to keep people divided against each other and based on things that you cannot change about yourself or the other person, like the color of your skin. You cannot change that. And and that shouldn't be a bone of contention. We need to focus on the policy stuff. So when we look at Obama's legacy, I want to think that like what really was his legacy from a political point of view? What policies did he put in place that uh, that did change this country. He said he wanted to fundamentally change this country. And it's funny because in Biden's announcement video, he talks about Trump fundamentally changing this country. And uh, and I feel like, well, if it was in need of, you know, he he implies that it was not a need of fundamental change. So I found that a contradiction with kind of what Obama stood for. Now, obviously the way Biden was saying Trump is changing this country is not the way Obama meant when he said he wanted to fundamentally tra- change the country. But did he do it? Like, what did Obama do to to move his own football forward? And what did he do that, for better or worse, did change change this country, have an impact on it? And then, you know, that made me think about some of the stuff he did f- via executive order, Could be reversed, could be erased. So it's not. So it it was possible for Trump to kind of walk back a lot of what I think people would call Obama's legacy. So, but those these are just surface things like the Paris Accord, the Iran deal. These are things that uh, that because they were put in place through kind of. you know, Obama's leadership and could be dismantled through Trump's. I don't think that's going to qualify as a legacy. So what is the big legacy? The Obamacare thing, obviously big legacy, but the mandate has been dismantled. So, so what is the next step of that legacy? Is it the true socialized medicine? Would that really be Trump's legacy? They said Obamacare was a Trojan horse that was meant to fail uh, and you know, I feel like that—that that is often the case with these policy policies that are feel like they're a big victory for a fringe, and then uh, the pendulum swings a couple of times, and there it is—a part of your of your basic fabric. And I think a few of Obama's legacy issues are like that. So I'm going to tell you what I mean by that, and I want to know what you think are Obama's legacies, and maybe. Uh, what Trump's legacy might be. I, some of Trump's legacy is walking back Obama's legacies, but some things are his own. So I'm going to take off what I think are their legacies. I want to know what you have to say. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. And uh, my producer, Binkley's here. Hi, Binkley. How you doing?
0: I'm great. I, I'm like Trump. I feel young and
1: vibrant. <laughs> I feel like a young man. I, I am a young man. So young. <laughs> Yes, he is. Well, I always thought it was weird that his, his, like, inaugural song, like his ballroom dance with Melania was, the end is near, and now we face the final curtain. Like, I just thought, like, for an older guy, that's the worst, the worst thing you can... <laughs> Wasn't it? I think he was the, first, the oldest president to be inaugurated to a first term. I I'm think
0: so. And yeah. Biden's trying to beat that.
1: Yes, he would beat that. He would. Uh I mean, how likely do you think it is that Biden could could become president? Like they're giving him a lot of props. I, I
0: don't. I don't think it's likely. But he showed, by the way he introduced on a, with the Charlottesville thing, that it's he's going to make it about. He, he's presenting himself almost as an intersectional candidate. By the way he launched his campaign, which is yeah. kind of crazy.
1: Yeah. I. I just the way i think about his prospects is like i'm so cynical about how voting even works and even just if they get it down to like a county just what i think that the the issue it's like the, the tail wagging the dog they look at the issues they pull people to see where the line is where they'd vote on one side or the other and they all you know, in, in normal political uh, situations, and probably him in the trying to get the Democratic nomination, is they try to put their it, where they are at that dividing line. So they could literally divide all the counties, whatever. And then, then, what the purple places, the swing places, are the places where it's too close to tell where they're going to shake out at that watershed. So if you wanted to kind of fix the election or whatever or rig it, you would just have to go to those places, which is why Ohio had so much scrutiny in the Bush era and Florida, because those were like uniquely purple. Now there's a lot more purple. But at the time, so so I look at this stuff as I don't think like, what will people choose? Would they like him? I think. What is on the agenda of the people who really manipulate this stuff? And would they want him? They would they want Biden for some reason? And I really cannot think of a reason they would want Biden. I think, I think what the way that what's moving the dial these days, politically and even ideologically and in the media, is this extreme conflict. And that is part of this ideology of tyranny. They get their ratings, they get their people, they get their co op, they get they make it look like they are highly supported, people are galvanized, they vote, they contribute, but the different the impact is minimal. But yeah. they but they can't get that that feeling of conflict, that galvanizing spirit without somebody who provokes the other side. And and I just don't think Biden would do that. I think the day of the centrist is over. I agree yeah i just so we'll see how it unfolds because you never know these people are they are way ahead of me like i try to peel the onion a little bit but there's always something that i'm like oh i didn't think of that
0: yeah and this is like the third candidate that has been like the leader so far you know, it was yes, Kamala they, Harris.
1: Yeah, they roll them out one by one. It totally seems like a uh, a marketing, like an overall holistic marketing campaign. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. I want to get to your calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez.
0: Everything you do is being watched by some all-seeing eye.
1: On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. We are talking about Biden throwing his hat in the ring. And uh, I'm when they say he's going to ride on Obama's coattails, I ask, what are Obama's coattails? What was Obama's legacy? 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Paul in Cobb. Hi, Paul. You're on with Monica.
0: Thank you. Uh, I think one of Obama's best legacies was giving cellular phones to the people in the food stamp program because there are 47 million people on food stamps of all types, all races, all ages. And I was down at the food stamp office near uh, Agnes Scott the other day, and people can now talk to other government agencies like the public health departments and get vaccinations. They can make appointments with um uh, the the VA hospital uh, they they can do a lot of things over the phone that they may not be able to do they may not have a computer handy because of their low income. Yeah, their- no,
1: and I actually have an alternative interpretation of giving cell phones to kids to uh, these people is that if the poor people don't have cell phones, don't have a technology, they would be the only people who were not constantly propagandized all the time. It's what I referred to recently as the Hispanic paradox. The Hispanic paradox where uh, maybe I should... Are we taking a break, Rachel? Um, Let me talk about the Hispanic paradox after the break. I also want to talk about um, you're hitting all the hot button points uh, with the vaccines and I'm going to get to all of it. And I'm also going to tell you what Brian Kemp did that I think... Recently is in the has the same motivation as Obama phones. So after the break, I'll we'll get to all that. 404 872 750 one WSB Talk. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. And now for something completely different. On News Ninety Five Five at AM 750, WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB Saturdays from three to six. We are talking about Joe Biden through his hat in the ring. I wonder what his prospects are. I wonder what his real purpose is. You know, I always at least peel the onion. If not, go down the rabbit hole and mix metaphors every time. So but they're just so good that nothing says it like your uh like your your good natural metaphor. So my question though, like as I think about what Biden If you just play it straight, what would Biden bring to the White House? What is he? What image is he? What platform? What is he trying to bring? It's it's it would be the continuation of the Obama White House. And what does that mean? What is Obama's legacy? And by that same token, what is Trump's legacy? So a lot of his legacy seems to be just rolling back Obama's legacy, so I want to hear what you think about the the what was Obama's legacy? What, what do you think Trump's legacy is going to be? 404 8720750 one 1-800-WSB-TALK. We had a call before the break from Paul, which I could not—he uh, rattled off quite a few things. I did not have time to take off one by one. He said uh, one of the best legacies of Obama was giving people cell phones who were online for food stamps— And I don't know if it was exactly one-to-one correlated, but maybe it was. And for me, you know, I'm skeptical. I don't look at these things as—I don't—the What thing that Obama promised to be, and he most definitely was not, but his promise was he was going to be the benevolent socialist leader that the left believes in and the right does not believe in. So the left— It's not that the I actually think that a lot of people on the right wouldn't be so opposed to socialism, which I realized and discussed last weekend is basically a religion. It's a religion and not like the way environmentalism is a religion, but the welfare state is mixing church and state by by creating a moral imperative at at the government level. So I think that even the right would kind of compromise and be like, okay. I'll, I'll let them do that. I'll consent to, to government charity. But they know or believe that it's not possible because power corrupts and government power is always the power at the end of a gun. It's just not possible. And Obama, and after seeing so many people on the left who really were corruptible, were not sincere, the idea behind Obama is that he was supposed to be the benevolent socialist that the left believes in that's where the hope the hope and change thing was was about i think that's what people wanted to see with that slogan so i but i look at both food stamps and the cell phones as serving the military industrial complex because food stamps is an agricultural it's in the agricultural bill or at least that's where it started it might still be there it's a way to sell food to for the government to subsidize the corporations that sell food it's in the agricultural bill it's not it's not a welfare bill. So, uh, and then the phones, to me, If imagine this. Like, the greatest challenge of my life right now is keeping screen time down for my kids. I actually just tweeted an article from last night saying Apple is systematically purging apps that will help reduce or control iPhone usage. It's very hard. I've noticed it with YouTube. It's very hard to control these screens and what's coming through them is pure propaganda. It's, it's, it's at a certain level from not only the addictive, the addiction in itself, the dopamine cycle in itself, but the content that's being pushed into these kids' heads It's pure propaganda, it's simplistic, it's emotional, it's designed for young minds, it's super messed up. And if you had a whole body of people, the poor of this country, the 50 million people, 47 million people, Paul, identified on food stamps, without phones, could you imagine the power to think and reason and see through the BS and not be in a constant state of fear and vulnerability that those people would have? Then you could really have a revolution, whether you like it or not. The type of revolution it would be but you would be truly empowering by not de-educating people that's where it would be and uh so i feel like the whole the the cell phone thing is in itself an attack on on people's minds and they're just thoroughly propagandized and then Recently, I just read that Jack, Jack Kemp, Brian Kemp signed into law a way to get uh, more Internet access into rural areas. And that uh, it, it just in passing in this article, it mentions that the, what he signed lets telecom firms set up 5G te- technology equipment on public land. Now, I think the feds passed a law requiring that local uh, municipalities not interfere with the expansion of 5G, this is something that is not being discussed. But when I see Kemp pushing Internet into the rural areas and 5G and all that, I think, you know, just in time for the election, the 2020 election, this to me is above parties. They're making sure that people are propagandized instantaneously at all times. And that's scary. That's that to me is not a good It's a bad. And Paul threw in about it makes it easier for people to access vaccines. Which is another, you know, thing that's questionable. Who who really why are they pushing so hard for that? Why are the measles things all over the news all the time? It seems sinister to me, or at least suspect. You want to know who's benefiting from that. Is it just to sell vaccines? Like what is that? And um And you could say it's honest to goodness, good faith, the government is being good and pure and has nothing but the best intentions, but this would be the only time that was true. So you, you simply have to look into it as something that might have an ulterior motive. And, and and that kind of thing needs to be scrutinized, constantly scrutinized, because otherwise you let it, uh, you let it get out of control. And even if they are, acting in good faith right now the only way you can keep them acting in good faith because then if you have like a big program that makes a lot of money someone's going to hijack that somebody's going to seek election or seek that position just to hijack that low-hanging fruit and that's when i start to think you know that's that's why you need that you don't want to trust anyone even the guy you like so if obama's legacy is is more propaganda (laughs) um I could be ready either way. So let's keep going with that. Uh, I am going to go to... Um, I'm going to take them in order of how long you've been holding. So I'm going to go to Kim and Decatur. Hi, Kim. You're on with Monica. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm, I have a couple things that I think would be good uh, bets for Trump's legacy. Uh, first of all, the tax reform. I think that... And not only for just uh, private citizens, but I think think the corporate aspect of it, allowing some of these companies, these companies with offshore um, operations, to bring some money back into the um, country at a at a lower rate, I think that that's helping the economy stay um, energized. Yeah, that's Um, actually, I I hadn't thought about that. I thought about the tax cut thing, but I I would be interested in how, you know, I'd like to see how that's shaking out. That's a good one. Yeah. Right. And then the other thing is uh, I think uh, sensible deregulation is going to be a, a legacy of his, too very good i hadn't thought about that i'm so skeptical about the deregulation thing though like i am i am not for regulation at all i believe that regulation is used by corporations oh, it's a to weapon. Keep, yeah right and regulatory capture and and i look at like the fda uh and i think we've, we've got all these drug problems but there's a massive government apparatus at the helm of regulation and all that what if we didn't have faith in those administrative bodies and actually just started being like, I don't really want to take that stuff, you know, looked into it ourselves. Maybe the the death toll would go down instead of up. So I don't, so the whole regulatory regime kind of um, keeps me skeptical. And, and then when you have the regime completely intact and then you start fiddling with it, you can really use that. Like the trade deals, you can really use that to benefit people who are your political allies or stuff like that. So I didn't make a study of the regulatory stuff, but I think you're right. It will be part of Trump's legacy. I don't think uh, there's any disputing that good. Very excellent calls, Ken. Thank you. I'm going to Tariq in Lithonia. Tariq, why can't I click on your, on your name? Rachel, will you help me click on Tariq's name? Line three.
0: I'm enjoying your show and let me be very brief. Cause I, What you are posing is very complex, but I think history will show that Obama's legacy, and there are a lot of different levels that we, you know, it's really not uh, opportune to go into all of them on a brief comment on the radio, but in general, he has did things, a lot of his actions to try to accelerate the goals of the collective, whereas Trump is putting a lot of things in place to try to, no combination of stop the progress of the collective side reaching their goals, but also some things that are of benefit to the country and the collective, whether it's here in the United States or in the world. And to be honest, I've never heard anybody say this, but as I study, I'm really suspicious that Obama might be a current member of the Worldwide Council of one of the major organizations collective. Which I don't know if I want to see on the radio because m- most people aren't really that familiar with it. But
1: um, well, I only know listen. about like the CFR, the World Economic Forum.
0: Well, well, all of those see the collective, it, like it, in a sense, the Democratic Party is becoming more and more like like a modern Jacobin movement out of France, which is all still part of the collective that it really started with the Illuminati.
1: Ah. Uh. Like, no, but, yeah, so, I'm familiar with that. I, RC, and you don't so, think, is there an opposition to that in your mind? Like, because the way you're talking about Trump fighting, he's certainly not, I don't think he's Batman. He surely has people behind him, right? There must so, be a counter.
0: Well, you mean the force. opposition to the, what the collectives do? Well, yeah, in
1: general, that's what I'm asking. You,
0: in general, you can look at history, and we don't have time to go through all the details now, but in general, the collectives they are for the state. And you got different forms of it. You know, that's one reason why they attack religion. Uh, they, they claim, like in the United States now, they call it anti, uh, anti- Antifa. Antifa. Anti-fascists. Really, they're the ones acting like the fascists, right? Oh, yeah. And that's, that's what the collectives do. That's what totalitarian government, and the collective really includes. that. Really, from that, you you got Marxism, communism, Nazism, fascism. And so, you know, even uh, one of the original members of the Worldwide Council was Benjamin Franklin. And you had Thomas Paine and Lafayette. And later on, you had Benjamin Franklin and another, and even Abraham Lincoln almost a century later. And to me, no one's ever said this, and and quite naturally, the news media, even if they're aware, they would never say this. I'm not sure if I even think it's possible, but Obama, by staying in Washington— to try to be in the immediate proximity and have hands-on control of the collective efforts and the way he prances around uh, a lot of parts of the world whether it's him or Kerry all of them are trying to do the same thing And, and and there are a lot of different levels to this that's why you know that's why the Democrats they ignore a lot of the things that people that are on the collective side do whether it's uh, sexual or whatever else, they they just look the other way because they're on their team. Alright, Tariq,
1: them. I have to I have to stop you because I have to take a break, but here's the thing. Uh, I really want to pick your brain. I think we should have, I've had before, a Liberty on the Rocks, where I tell the radio and people, like, it's not like a million people come, but I think we've got to just, uh, you've got to, I've just got to ask you more questions, but I can't do it on the airtime. Um, are you in the Real Atlanta? Real quickly. Yeah,
0: go ahead, and go. It still goes back to, like, you were concerned about Internet. Yeah, the, the masses need Internet everywhere, but the key is you can only be affected by what you, you – you're affected by your experiences in life and your knowledge. And one reason the collective been so uh, influential in the last 100 years, and it really accelerated with Woodrow, uh, Woodrow Wilson and the uh, progressives, right, It's because of lack of knowledge, and that's the key. Yeah, Internet's all right. It's just a tool. It's just like a gun. Guns don't shoot and kill people. It's the people that pull the trigger. All right, I
1: got to end on that. I got to take a break, but Tariq, you got to keep calling. I could just pick your brain, and Binkley has got all this stuff on on Antifa that he's just dying to share. So you're going to launch us into a whole new discussion. Thanks, Tariq. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. It's like everything I've been brought to believe was all made of bull- On News 95.5 at a.m. 750 WSB. We are always in the rabbit hole. Tariq just called and I was I'm fascinated by when people tell me stuff that's way down there that I don't know or I never heard. Like he was referring to the worldwide collective movement. And I don't know if that's just a blanket term or if it's for real. A specific thing. I'm going to have to Google that after the show. And uh, I want to keep getting to your calls. Bonnie thinks that Biden is a stooge for, I'll tell you after the break, and when we talk to Bonnie. And Anna thinks Obama's legacy is to make America fundamentally dishonest. I have to know why she thinks that. And I'm sure she has some good reasons. And I want to know what you think are Obama's legacies, even Trump's legacy 404-872-0750 1-800 WSB Talker. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez show for
0: the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts. So you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus,